Welcome to Sunday Night Stat Guide, where you will not just get the stats you want, but the stats that you need. Here's your host, Josh, the Stat Guy Horowitz. Coming up on Sunday Night Stat Guy, the best live reaction that I've ever had caught on camera. Dylan and I were in the middle of recapping the Sweet 16 games while Alabama sent the game against UCLA into overtime with a buzzer beater. So come for the Sweet 16 recap, but then stay for our incredible reaction to that. Then Noah Cohen joins us to discuss IU men's basketball's new coaching hires and the potential future impact of Hoosiers basketball. Um, And then Dylan and Noah give their Elite Eight gambling corner picks. So lots of great stuff as we keep rolling with March Madness. All that and more coming up on Sunday Night Stack Guy. And here we go. March 28, 1992, Christian Leitner hit the shot in the Elite Eight to send Duke to the Final Four versus Kentucky. Uh, We are currently watching the Alabama-UCLA game as we wrap up the Sweet 16. There are six games through, uh, two more to go. Um, Dylan Horowitz is with me to recap some of the games, and we'll, uh, we'll hopefully get you some of our live reactions to the UCLA Alabama finish. There's about 2:20 left, but Dylan, welcome. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me again. I appreciate it. Of course. So yeah, we'll we'll start recapping some of the games, and then uh, as as UCLA Alabama gets towards the end, we'll probably switch our attention to that, but give you, like I said, our live reactions. So starting on Saturday, um, Oregon State. In Loyola was the first game. Oregon State won 65 to 58. And this was a very, very, very low scoring first half. And I know you wanted to touch on touch on that. Yeah, I mean, obviously very low scorers, 24 to 16 and a half teams could not buy a basket. Um good amount of turnovers, um, but also the defense it honestly had stepped up a lot. Um, but then you look in the second half and um a lot of scoring near the last five minutes of the game just because it was a relatively close game and um, Loyola Chicago just wanted to make a game out of it, um, you know, trying to come back. Um, but they just when, – when teams try to shorten um, the game by making the possessions 25, 26, 27 seconds and you don't shoot very well, that's what's going to happen is you're going to be fighting at the very end. Um, and something we were saying is they were down 12 with, like, eight minutes left and they needed to score 25% of the points they had yeah. scored in like 33% of the game. So I, I like looking at those numbers and seeing that they need to do a lot more scoring than they did this game. Already. Yeah. We, we love looking at that, just seeing how much of their current total they have to score for the rest of the game. Yeah. So like you said, low scoring first half, um, but Oregon State was able to, to really hold on, um, really have a hold on the game by the end. So, and, hit, and hit the free throws. And hit their free throws. Yeah. So Oregon State um, advances. They are uh, in the Elite Eight, obviously, as a 12 seed. And this is tied for the lowest seed to reach the Elite Eight since seeding began in 1979. 
So the other 12 seed to reach the Elite Eight was Missouri in 2002. So a pretty big feat there, and obviously would um, have a chance to be the highest seed to make a Final Four in the next round. Um, so pretty big there from Oregon State, Loyola. Uh, next game, Baylor-Villanova. They're honestly not a ton from this game. Um, they're, Villanova is actually up for a lot of the game, but then Baylor had a pretty big run. Yeah, they uh, went on a 21-6 to run from 13.30 to about three minutes. Um, and when you're taking the thirteen last 13 minutes of the game and you're scoring six points in a 10-minute span, letting one of the best teams in the country outscore you 15 points in those 10 minutes, you're probably not going to have a good chance at winning. Um, and that run really kind of – kind of beat them up in there so yeah one thing I always like to look at is the win probabilities just, just to see some of the game flow you can't kind of see you can't see all of it but obviously Baylor was favored to start this game as a one seed mm-hmm. and then about halfway through uh the first half it flipped over to Villanova and they held the win probability all the way until nine minutes left and then it it finally flipped over to Baylor and it was over from there how much were they up when it flipped over to Baylor when it flipped back to Baylor yeah uh as soon as it flipped back to Baylor, it was 41-41. So it was tied. So, like, that was, like, the middle of the run. Yeah. And so it flipped back. So uh, Baylor, a pretty pretty good win for them after being down a little bit. But they uh, will move on sixty uh, after winning 62-51. to And then – Real quick. So – Yeah. So we, we have 154 left in the Bama-UCLA game. Uh, John Petty just had the ball tipped out of bounds. And they've been reviewing it for about eight to ten minutes. Start, start the clock. Start the clock on the yeah. review. Um, looks like it went off UCLA guy's foot. Uh, then might have hit John Petty's shorts. And um, at the end of the day, if you can't see it after three or four reviews, you're not going to see it after the 80th review. Um, I say keep the call on the, on the field, on the court, and – just pass the ball in and keep the game going. Um, it's already been a pretty long game. Um, I know you want to get the, the call right on the field, on the court, um, but if it's taking 10 minutes, just just keep the call you made um, and finish these last minute 54 out uh, with Alabama up one. So we'll see what, what this call is on the court. Yeah, and we can we can have the the replay conversation another night, but we'll uh, we'll we'll kind of, we'll try to keep track of the times of these reviews for the for the sake of of the audience. Um, so there is under two minutes left in Alabama UCLA. Well, like I said, we'll keep an eye on that. Um, but the the other game we really liked from Saturday was Arkansas Oral Roberts. There was a lot of good stats from this one, so let me read through some of those real quick. Justin Smith for Arkansas had. 11 offensive rebounds which is tied for the most offensive rebounds in a tournament game in the last 30 years that's pretty wild 11 offensive rebounds former Hoosier (laughs) and then Arkansas had their 10th double digit comeback win this season and each of their last five wins have come after trailing by double digits so they they have been really able to come back from from down double digits and then Max Aismas for Oral Roberts became the first player uh, with three 25-point games for a double-digit seeded team in a single NCAA tournament since Steph Curry had four such games for Davidson in 2008. So pretty big company there, company there for Max Aismas. Uh, any any thoughts, or what, what did you have for, for Arkansas? 
Oral Roberts. Um, yeah, so obviously you have you have A. Smith. Um, he had 80 points through three games. Um, O'Banner, their second guy who led um, led Oral Roberts in scoring for the first two games against Florida and Ohio State, he had 70 in those three games. Looking at them two alone, 150 out of Oral Roberts, 226. Them two alone scored 66% of their team's points through three games. I don't know if a duo has ever done that before through three games in a tournament, um, but two guys putting up numbers like that. Usually there's one guy like Steph that you, you say, if we can hold him to 20, we're good. But both these guys were on. Um, O'Banner did have 12 yesterday, which, which really hurt them. Um, but when you have two guys scoring 66% of your points through three games, that's, that's huge. And obviously it carried them through, through to the Sweet 16. Yeah, they did. Like you said, O'Banner had 12, uh, but they had four guys with 11 or more points. So that kind of, I mean, it helped them at least for the first half while they, while they held the lead. Cause like we talked about the win probability and the game flow, this one was very similar to the Villanova Baylor game where Arkansas was obviously favored, but then at one point in the first half, uh, Oral Roberts actually had the higher win probability and had it all the way until uh, seven minutes left in the game. And they were winning, and they Arkansas still had a better win probability. Yeah. So that just shows you kind of just just how it was how it was for Arkansas um, and their their willingness to come back from all these deficits. So pretty crazy game. And then uh, obviously in the lead eight, Arkansas will face Baylor and we'll, we might get to some of those matchups later. Um, when and, we... and that was the best game of the day. Saturday, yes, March 27th, I agree. that I agree. was the best game of the day. Only game ending within a possession. The next game was um, the uh, Oregon State Loyola Chicago, which was a seven point game. Um, and and uh, have to mention that Ace Miss actually missed a three pointer with at the, well, like at the buzzer at the yeah buzzer, missed a three-pointer yeah. at the buzzer that would have won it it, lo- it looked perfect yeah <laughs> it was a it was a really great look um so great run for Oral roberts in the tournament um beating ohio state in the first round and then florida to get to the sweet 16 so props to Oral roberts props to max a smith um a great run for for the what are they the eagles right <laughs> Oral roberts yeah golden eagles. eagles yeah golden eagles so great for them um the last game from Saturday was Houston and Syracuse. So Houston won um, 62 to 46 and they will become, so they're going to play Oregon state in the next round. They are going to be the first team ever to play four double digit seeds in a single NCAA tournament. Remember they started uh, against 15 seed Cleveland state, then 10 seeded Rutgers then 11 seed Syracuse, and then they'll now face 12 Oregon State in the Elite Eight. So a pretty, I mean, it was a pretty uh, suffocating game for the Houston defense in this one. Did you have, I guess, what did you have? Uh, any any other stats for, for this one? Um, yeah, like I, I wasn't able to watch this game. Um, but when I woke up, I saw that Syracuse obviously did not shoot the ball very well. Um, but I kind of was gonna ask you um how is houston able to work around the there's this q zone yeah so it, it's funny that you that you say that because we that's one thing we've talked about on the podcast the past couple of weeks with with syracuse and their zone so honestly they really weren't able to solve it the, these were the stats yeah, right. for, they scored 62 points right right these yeah. were the stats for houston during the game 38 percent field goal 
27% three-point percentage and 64% free throws. If you just said those stats to someone, you, you would not think they would win many college basketball no. games. But when you combine it with Syracuse scoring 46, which was basically, I, I think I saw that it was the lowest Syracuse I'd ever scored in, in a tournament game, which is pretty wow. wild. But back to like what Houston did, one, the one thing that you always learn in basketball is that in a zone, it's the best time for offensive rebounds. And that's exactly what happened. Houston won the offensive rebounding battle 11 to five. So wherever some of those points came in, you just by watching the game, it seemed like they honestly had more. Like you could tell like the zone was, uh, was being diminished by those offensive rebounds for, for Houston. So that, that's really all I, I mean, all we have for that game. Cause they, like I said, Houston was just very suffocating on defense. Syracuse not scoring a lot of points. Um, and Houston not scoring a lot of points either, but able to pull out enough to win. Yeah, so. so quick update in the Bama-UCLA game. Herb Jones just went one for two from the line. 29 seconds left. Alabama's up one, uh, and UCLA has the ball. Um, they don't have enough time for one shot. They will um, – there's about 20 seconds on the shot clock, so they're going to need to get a shot off. Um, this is what we were hoping for. This is exactly <laughs> what we wanted. And, yeah, hopefully it's – I mean, it's already been a great finish. Um, maybe we'll get some free basketball tonight. Yeah, that <laughs> that would be awesome to add to it. So we'll we'll like I said, hope you hope we get our live reactions to that. So uh, move on to the earlier games today now, or on on Sunday I should say. Uh, first one Gonzaga and Creighton. Um, it was pretty dominant for Gonzaga. I mean they pretty much led almost almost wire to wire. Um, they so they've outscoring their opponents by 77 points through their first three tournament games. And that is the largest differential through three games since 2017 and the second largest through three games in the last 10 tournaments. So they're just dominating opponents. Yeah. I mean, with, with guys like Timmy, um, Kispert and, and Jalen Suggs, those are three guys that are probably top five in their positions in the whole country. Um, those two guys are just dominating. And when I looked at the, at this tournament before the season, before um, those first four games started, I saw Gonzaga just walk into the, to the final four and they've walked to the elite eight already. Um, and so what they're going to play the winner of USC Oregon tonight. Yeah. Um, and I don't really see either of those teams slowing them down. And we're back to the UCLA Alabama game. Uh, we got 20 seconds left. It's rolling. UCLA has got the ball. Well, uh, right. UCLA just scored. <laughs> UCLA, UCLA up one with 14 left. <laughs> also, just just to uh, confirm, Gonzaga did lead wire to wire. So in in summation, Gonzaga goes marching into the into the elite eight. Walking into the elite goes eight. walking into the elite <laughs> yeah. eight. With ease. And then uh, the next game of the day was Michigan and Florida State. And honestly, much of the same as the first one for Gonzaga and Creighton. Um, I know you have some great stuff on Michigan's second half. So I'll let you finish that out. Yeah. So they, <laughs> they had a, they dominated the paint. Um, Hunter Dickinson is a beast down low. But they, so Michigan in the second half made one shot outside the paint. Oh my gosh. Um, I'm going to see how many shots they made. Yeah. 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 They, 
one shot outside the paint is actually ridiculous. They, I mean, and they led a majority, basically after the first like four minutes, it was, it was all Michigan. Um, they didn't, they, I think Florida state maybe had one lead and then Michigan took it from there. Uh, they were just looking at the team stats, 49% field goal, not very good free uh, three point, but they, like I said, they just very similar to Gonzaga. They just kind of dominated the entire game. Uh, Florida state didn't have much to go from there. Yeah. They didn't really have an answer. Um, Michigan only took 11 threes. Um, mm, yeah. Well, you said they, they didn't take – they only took one shot – or what, they only made one shot outside the paint in the second half, Yes, right? yes. Only made one shot outside the paint in the second half. Um, maybe a reason they're taking such low amount of threes is they're missing their number one three-point maker and shooter and in, in, uh, Isaiah Livers. That might be a big reason. But also, they didn't really need to shoot the ball. They were getting so many points inside the paint. And, and why go away from that when you're shooting those high-percentage points, yeah. uh, high-percentage shots? All right, there's like 10 seconds left. Herb Jones oh. got fouled going to the line, down one with 6.8 seconds left. Wow. Oh, my. Well, Dylan, we're getting a good one. This, <laughs> this is, is what this we is, wanted. Yeah, this is exactly what you want watching this game. And especially with some, some games yesterday that weren't very great. This is a great way to start the night, and hopefully Oregon USC can, yeah. can follow up in some good fashion. Yeah, and that so after so the winner of UCLA Alabama will play, uh, will play Michigan, and then the winner of the USC Oregon game will play Gonzaga, and so we are and we're in looking at the games chronologically. We're now caught up to UCLA Alabama, which has six point eight seconds <laughs> left right now. <laughs> yeah, that's every time. <laughs> this is unbelievable. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so we can go back honestly to the to the end of the first half. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Talk, yeah. They, oh, my gosh. Oh, he missed the first. Wow. And Alabama has fouled UCLA with 4.2 seconds left. Wow. What a crazy finish. Well, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to take something for Alabama. They just had a chance for two free throws to take the lead, and now UCLA is going to be shooting. Sorry, he missed you? them both. He missed them both. He missed them both. Probably with a double bonus. Oh, my. What were you saying? Yeah, just the way UCLA closed out the first half, um, I forget what his name was, but hit three threes to close out the first half. Um, and then Bama came to start the second half on 11-0 run to tie at 40 all. So that was kind of, mm. I thought things were going to change. Johnny Juzang picked up three, then four, and ended up fouling out. I thought Bama was, gonna, was really going to take over. Um, but UCLA just never, never let them. Um, they kind of put their foot down. Um, I think Bernard was the guy that hit. Bernard, yes. Yeah. yes. All right, Alabama down three with four seconds left, but they'll take a timeout, so we'll keep going. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's been a pretty pretty up-and-down game. Um, I can't find the exact amount of lead, of lead changes, but, uh, like I said, it's been pretty up-and-down, win probability back and forth. So those are your two major signs. But And he, here's a little, uh, little stat for you. I think you just looked this up for me. Um, UCLA, or should I say this yet? Show me. Wait, which one? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead. All Go right. ahead. Yeah, let, let's, so, let's, reverse, so, let's reverse Jinx UCLA yes. four, with four seconds left in the game. If UCLA can, can hold on and win this game here. Oh, they're showing it right now. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> they are weird. literally showing it on the screen they're right now. On the screen. Um, 
first force to make it to the Sweet 16, but to make that to go one step even further, UCLA could be the second team, second first four team to make it to the Elite Eight following VCU, who actually made it to the Final Four in 2018, falling to Butler. And they had done it as a first four team. Oh, yes, it, yes. yes that's, yeah. that's the. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Um, I guess they were all, yeah. Double were four they four. all first fours or were those just those were all first fours. Oh, I don't, I don't know what that was. But VCU and UCLA were both yeah. first fours. All right, here we go. Alabama's last shot. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh! oh, oh my God. God. Let's go! Alabama, we're going overtime! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Let's go! Oh my gosh. Let's go. Yes. And we're going to OTS 65 all. Big man Reese hits it. I don't even know what to say right now. I saw I saw him pass. I saw the point guard pass the ball out. He passed it off to their big man. I don't know what he was doing, but he's top of the key and just drained it. He drained it from the top of the key to go to overtime. <laughs> you can't write a better script than this one, though. Yeah, this is March. <laughs> this is March. Oh my gosh. This is absolutely March. I just live tweeted during the podcast. So that's exciting. <laughs> Oh that, my. Oh, uh, we got five more minutes. Did I just jinx UCLA? Dylan. <laughs> I, said, oh I, said my gosh. I said they could. You said they could. I, I'm the one that said reverse jinx since I want Alabama to win. <laughs> oh oh my gosh. Hold on. Hold wow. on. All right. Well, we're going to overtime. I think uh, this would be a time to talk about the other few games yesterday on the other side while we wait for the end of this game to, yes. to, uh, to go final. So did you have uh, your first thoughts on those? More specifically, we're talking about the, uh, the women's tournament. Okay, yes. I yeah. was about to say, because I thought um, – or yes, there were two, two big games yesterday for us Hoosiers over here. IU has made it to their first ever Elite Eight. Um, they've won three games already, and they're heading to the Elite Eight for the first time ever in program history. Um, but also a huge game that we, when we, when, when we were watching it, I said, this game is much better than the Loyola Oregon state game. The first half I was yeah, comparing it to right. because they were going on kind of at the same time as overtime was about to start. Um, was the, well, Iowa, wait, wait, there, is there, is there time left on the clock? We might, wait, I don't think it's overtime yet. Hold on. They don't have the clock up. Okay, there, there was, uh, there was like decimal second left. So now we're going officially, to officially, officially under, under regulation. <laughs> All right, continue on. Um, <laughs> but it was the in the women's tournament, the Iowa versus UConn. It was the Iowa versus UConn game, uh, which with Paige Beckers and Caitlin Clark. Uh, Caitlin Clark is, as you heard a couple episodes ago, Will, Will Coleman was saying that she's the. Uh, what, second highest score ever in Division One basketball as a, uh, as as a, a freshman, as a freshman yeah. Yeah. men's and women's. Um, it was just a great performance uh, or a great game to watch. Not necessarily a great performance by her, um, but it's a great game. A lot of points being scored, uh, which who doesn't love a lot of points? So it was just a great up and down game of basketball. Um, and did you have any, any any other thoughts on the game? So for for the IU game, they I mean there is 
every bit as good as we talked as me and Will talked about on uh, on Thursday. They, I mean, we we knew about their defense, and yeah, it kind of led up near the end, but they had a big enough lead, like their offense was playing well enough uh, to hold on. And they're, I mean, they're really good. Like yeah. it, it wasn't a surprise. And if for those who don't know, they were actually favored by two and a half going they in. <laughs> they covered, and they are also favored in the Elite Eight game against Arizona. So another big chance for IU. So it's like it's it's almost a surprise to most people, but um, to us who watch them and to someone who literally covers the team, it was it was not. Yeah, and like you were saying, towards the end of the game, they looked like they were about to let it slip away with a couple of missed free throws, um, no made field goals in the last few minutes. Um, it's a team that hasn't been there before, and now they have. So. Um, I think getting, being able to pull that out, they're going to look much stronger into the lead eight and hopefully on and on. Yeah. And then, and then just real quick on the, the UConn Iowa game, cause it, you know, it, it didn't live completely up to the hype, like score wise, but I still think those two, um, Paige and Caitlin did live up to, to the matchup. They, Caitlin didn't have a great game, but, um, just two really fun players to watch and, there were almost two triple doubles on the same team. Yeah, Beck, but only one double double. And only one double double. Yeah, P- Paige Beckers had, uh, I think, eighteen, nine, and eight. And then uh, was it? Oh, it was it was Westbrook for UConn had like fifteen, eleven, and nine. Yeah, something, something like that. Yeah. So they it, it was just crazy to have almost two triple doubles uh, in the same game. And uh, real quick, you like you saying Caitlin Clark didn't have a great performance, but she hit some crazy shots. Yes, yes. She she was hitting some shots that looked like Steph Curry was was taken, and I'm not saying she's Steph Curry, but those were shots that that was putting the defender on some skates and hitting a fadeaway three. I, I just think it's a fair comparison, to be honest. Like that's I, that's what Will and I talked about. Like yeah. it it really it really is uh, something that that you can actually compare. So uh, re- really great games on that side of the tournament um on on the women's side so definitely watch out for those we are going to take a quick break and when we come back we'll try to get you the end our reactions to the end of the overtime between alabama and ucla so we'll be right back okay we are back uh not as fun of an end to overtime as regulation ucla is winning by nine 30 seconds left so we might be able to pencil them in um the uh, Jacques on UCLA just took over in overtime. He, he, he absolutely dominated the five minutes uh, to give UCLA a, a hefty lead. So UCLA looks like they're going to head to the Elite Eight to face Michigan. So that should be a great game. And we, so that means they will become the second first four to make it to the Elite Eight following VCU in 2011. We almost jinxed it. We almost jinxed but it. Couldn't, couldn't quite complete it. So – Speaking of a Big Ten team, we uh, we now bring in Noah Cohen to do some uh, talking about the IU men's basketball new coaching hire. So Noah, real quick, uh, welcome back. Hi Josh, thanks for having me on. You know I love to be here. Of course, you're 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 going to be a regular here. So we got Noah because we we want to talk about uh, the brand new IU men's basketball coach. Uh, Mike Woodson, for those of you who haven't heard, was hired as the 
new coach of IU. He's, he was a Knicks assistant at the time, uh, but he has left that to uh, pursue to, to be the head coach for IU men's basketball. Uh, just a quick stat. He is the fifth highest scorer in IU basketball history. Noah, I don't know if you knew that or not, yeah, but he yeah, is 2000 points. So yes, he is one of five players with more than 2000 points for IU. So a, a name that people know on, at least in, in, in NBA circles. Um, but Noah, what, we'll get to it, but the older generation knows it. Our generation knows him and you'd be like the gif. Like or the or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Our our generation knows Mike Woodson as the head coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers when LeBron James was there, <laughs> as Bill and I talked about earlier. So, all right, give me your give me your thoughts. Let let us have them. So, my initial reaction when it was just we just got the Mike Woodson news, I was uh, kind of shocked. It's like wow, like crazy hire, like out of left field. I mean, the throughout the process, like you. It, you heard stuff and you're like, okay, this could happen. But then like for them to actually go through with it, you know, there's, there's a lot of knocks to them, which is what I think a lot of Indiana fans were kind of upset about, you know, he's 63. He's pretty old, never coached in college. He's never done the recruiting thing. He's never like, since he left Indiana, he has stayed in around the NBA, you know? So, um, and then when the Thad Mata news broke, that he was going to be like the CEO of the company, kind of what Scott Dolson alluded to in his press conference. Um, that's when I was like, oh crap, like this could be a two-headed monster. Like um, Woodson could do the X's and O's, all that great stuff. And then he has a mentor as Thad Mata, who's, you know, health issues. He's, he can help him out as much as possible. So um it's it's really I don't I don't really know because when Archie Miller was hired I was very happy um, and I think everybody was and then it's been four years of straight misery and worst basketball ever and even today when I got the Woodson news I looked up right away I said uh, in Google I was like and Archie Miller hired by Indiana five straight articles IU home run IU set for the next decades. So these national media people are writing about how great of a hire, how we're going to be so successful. We're back. We're blue blood status. And then, so let them write all the crap they want to about this hire, this Mike Woodson hire. We don't know who his assistants are, um, but we'll see when he wins or loses. Like that's when you can judge for right now. It's not the grand splash of Chris Beard or Scott Drew or Nate Oates. I don't even want him anymore. Um, I'm just kidding. No. Yeah, the, the joke that every every coach that IU is rumored to be going after lost in the Sweet 16 <laughs> rolls on. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. As I, Alabama loses to UCLA, but yeah, it's it's crazy. Um, I mean, I'm happy we have a guy. My initial reaction, you know, it's whatever, and we'll see what happens. Um, this week will be big to see if he can bring back. Um, all the guys in the transfer portal. Armand Franklin, Trace, Lander, Race, Parker Stewart. I mean, I don't know what his deal is, but and then to then you can go into the transfer transfer portal and get his own guys that he wants. So I don't know. Yeah. I'm I'm optimistic and like any good fan should be, 
I'm really rooting for him to bring this program back to greatness. And I think that's what matters. It, it doesn't matter what's happened in the past. Like you're not looking to the future. You just want someone that can be a good coach and let Jeff Goodman and Andy Katz and all these national media people just talk all this shit that they want in a year. We could be watching Indiana in the sweet 16. I mean, that'd be great. And that's super optimistic after four years, not being in tournament, but you can say as hires don't mean anything like, or like the national breaking news, they need to be successful. That's but all. Like, yeah. like, but like you said, I'll, I'll I, I, I'm going to believe it when I see it. This is how I am with sports. Like, I still pick LeBron to make the finals because I haven't seen anyone beat them to get to the finals. Like I'll, I'll believe it when I see it, that IU can make a sweet 16 run. Um, as, as an IU fan, as an IU student, like I, I, you obviously just want to see him do well. Um, so a couple, a couple of thoughts and points that you made that are very interesting with the Thad Mata hiring. First of all, I have to be honest, you sent me that text with uh, like saying Thad Mata will make like a, like it's a good two-headed monster you hadn't mentioned mike woodson's name and i didn't know that he was hired yet wow. <laughs> i was like who is the who is the second person that we're making a two-headed monster with so that was interesting but i i like i like that you said like he maybe takes care of the x's and o's and thad mata takes care of um rooting the pr stuff the just the, the, the college stuff. stuff what the college stuff yes the college <laughs> whatever so I forgot how great of a coach Thad Mata was. It's been four or five years. I looked it up. He was 439 and 154 as a coach. You know, Butler, Xavier, and Ohio State. Five Big Ten regular season titles. Four Big Ten tournament championships. Three-time coach of the year in the Big Ten. One-time Atlantic Ten and Horizon League coach of the year. Crazy. And you know what? Over under two and a half years until Thad Mata is the head coach of IU. Well, I was even going to say, this is Thad Mata's way of just like easing back to see if he can do yeah. it. And he helps Mike Woodson in for a year or two. And then he gets Woodson on his feet and gets the ball rolling. That's great. Thanks, Thad. Like, you did great for the program. And if he wants to go be a head coach, that's fine. Or if Woodson's like, I'm too old, Mata, like, will you do this? Can you do this? That's fine, too. So. I mean, we'll see. Do you know, can you name anyone on Thad Mata's coaching tree? Uh, is, is Holtman part of it? Sean Miller and Brad Stevens. We're both. Okay. Oh, right. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I, and that's just two of the names I picked. So mm-hmm. I am thinking in Woodson's hiring of assistants, if Thad Mata gets any say, I'm very confident. Yeah. All right, Dylan, we're, we still have you here as an IU fan. Thoughts on the IU coaching hire? Yeah, I mean, I love everything you had to say, Noah. Um, I personally think the, the the key to these hires today wasn't Mike Woodson. I know he's hopefully going to be a great coach and um, bring IU back to – or close to what they used to be. But I think it's that motto. Like yeah. you're talking about, Mike Woodson has never done this recruiting thing. I know he was recruited back then. But he's never done this recruiting thing like it's done nowadays where Coach K, Cal, and all these guys are dominating the recruiting scene. Mike Woodson, I don't know how connected he is with Indiana high school basketball, um, but Thad Mata is very connected with all of the Midwest high school basketball recruiting guys. He recruited Greg Oden in Conley, didn't he? 
Mata? Yeah. He, I think he's the coach at Ohio State. Yeah. So he is very well connected with um, Indiana because Greg Oden and Mike Conley both came out of Indiana. So he definitely has, has his way with the Midwest. And, and that's something that Archie – I know he got Romeo. I know he got Trace, but that's something that Archie really wasn't able to to get a grasp on. And I feel like this is just two pieces together of Mike Woodson and um, that model, like you're saying, the two-headed monster. Those two pieces together are just so much better than Archie. Um, obviously, obviously, right now, not wanting Archie in um, in Bloomington anymore, we we want it to be so much better and. And I think uh, the future could be could be really good for IU. Yeah. Um, so what you said about the high school basketball. So Kyle um, Niedernrip, he's I he was I saw this on Twitter. He called some high school coaches and asked what they thought. Um, and he said some with the help of some high level dynamic recruiters on the staff, um, his NBA background will resonate a lot with recruits. Which the point of playing D1 basketball for 90% of these guys is to make it to the NBA, right? If you're a four or five star, what are you, what are you trying to do? Go to the NBA. NBA. So this, that's where the upside is. Mike Woodson can say, look, I was a star in college. I scored over 2000 points. I was a role player in the NBA. I was a bench warmer. I coached the Hawks from being a shit 13 and 69 team to um, a consecutive playoff team. Like, it's there's a lot of upside um if you take away that bad 13 and 69 team um he's 302 and 296 coaching in the nba and the lifespan of coaches in the nba is like an average of seven years so he's been with the knicks for a while he's i was i pulled up my phone like he's coached ray allen carmelo anthony chauncey billups Blake Griffin, Richard Hamilton, Al Horford, Allen Iverson, Joe Johnson, DeAndre Jordan, Jason Kidd, Kenyon Martin, Matumbo, Chris Paul, Paul Pierce, Julius Randle, Derek Rose, Amari Stoudemire. Like the list Ron goes, James. The list goes on and on and on. <laughs> and I'm sure everybody has said that like Jamal Crawford came out last year and was like, he was one of my favorite coaches. I love him. So like, I don't, that's one side of the thing. Like, his NBA experience, he'll be able to help him hopefully get there. And then his love for Indiana, because he's got one shot at this. He's 63. If he fails here, he's done um, with coaching probably because he's, you know, AARP is calling. They're like, hey. <laughs> um, they want their money back. Yeah. Um, he, I, I didn't really know this. He was like a key aspect in getting Bob Knight to come back to Bloomington. Mm. He loves IU. He will hopefully give it everything he's got, and I'm optimistic, and I really am looking forward to what he's got to bring. He so he was he was on the team from '77 to '80. Dylan, do you want to say what you said earlier? Yeah. So yeah. So like Josh was saying he was on the team from '77 to '80. He was in between IU's third and fourth national championship. Yeah, that he, they said. Um, I read that online today. He's forgotten by a lot of IU fans because he was in this like period where you think of from one championship to the next but you just forget that he was there so. he was just in the gap in between yeah what but, were your thoughts Josh? no that that you you guys hit it all you honestly like i i kind of went through um just my 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 over under on thad mata becoming the head coach but obviously so, sort of kidding 
Um, I would have really, I mean, Thad Modest health is, I don't even know what his health issue is. I would love for him to be the coach. Like, he's great, but. Sorry, Dylan just spilled water on himself. <laughs> so, spilled it everywhere. No, but, but overall, I, I think it's a good hire. I haven't seen any people say, oh, that's a terrible hire, which is a good sign. No, if you look at the national, the Jeff Goodmans, the Andy Katz, who have been bashing IU forever, they're like, oh, a blue blood school, you're going with, with them with, or with this hire. Um, they're all knocking it because, yeah. I mean, Woodson never coached in the NBA in, or in college. And it's like, I don't know. Scott Dolson is trying to be as innovative as possible. Juwan Howard has a right-hand man. Um, I can't remember his name, but he's really helping him through this whole process too. And I think that'll be good for um, Mike Woodson. So mm-hmm. fingers yeah. crossed, man. Yep. Yeah. So like, like we said, we'll, we'll believe when we see it, but uh, good coaching hire. So thanks for coming on to, to talk about IU's new coaching hire, Mike Woodson. Um, I, I'm really hoping we can, uh, we, we don't have to do the Brad Stevens emergency podcast. <laughs> I really don't want to do an emergency podcast announcing Brad Stevens. So that that's on hold for at least a few more years. Um, but He's going to end up coaching like Duke when Coach K is going to be a, it's going to be painful. But hey, uh, no, stick around for a gambling corner. Yeah, I'd love to. Awesome. We will take a quick break and then we'll be back for some gambling corner. Okay. We are back with gambling corner with Noah Cohen and Dylan again. So let's go over their records in gambling corner so far. So Dylan started one and out with his, his nice Michigan state pick early on. Uh, his first two tournament picks, not as well. So he's now one and two. He had the Winthrop money line and the plus six and a half. Uh, Villanova took care of that one. And then Noah is two and two uh, that he went in the first round of the tournament. Uh, the good was Ohio and North Texas. And then the bad was from the Arkansas game. Is that correct? Um, yes. Yeah. So Noah is two and two. So, uh, no, what would you say? The over in that game was like 161 and it was, it was super high and we all kind of joked about it, wanting it to hit, but it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's all good. So we all wish it did. Life's life's too short to take the under. So always. (laughs) All right. So Noah, what do you got for us, uh, for the, for the elite eight on gambling corner? So my initial Elite Eight picks are the Arkansas-Baylor over 149. I think it'll be a very fast-paced, um, very intense game. So I really like that one. And then Oregon State plus eight against Houston. Um, like I said in the previous one, um, I'm not too high on Houston, just mid-major. Rutgers collapsed and should have beat them. Um, and Oregon State is the hottest team in America right now. So move over, Gonzaga, because the Beavers are here to take the title from you. All right, those are great. Dylan, what do you got? Well, um, let's go over to the West Coast. Uh, the Gonzaga Bulldogs, my pick to win the national championship this year. Um, I'm going to take them. Um, do they play tomorrow? No, they play Tuesday. Tuesday, uh, I'll take them. I don't even care what the spread is. Give it to me. Um, they were 13 and a half today against Gonzaga or against Creighton and beat them by 21. I don't care what it is. They're going to play USC or Oregon. Pac-12, they're going to dominate the Pac-12. 
I don't care. 11 and a half, 12 and a half, 13 and a half, 14 and a half. Give it to me. I'm taking the Bulldogs. Let's ride. Bulldogs to the final four. Let's go. And I don't care. Mountain West isn't very great, but move them to the Pac-12. They're going to do the same exact thing to them. So it doesn't matter. The Gonzaga Bulldogs are back. They've always been back. Go Bulldogs. Yeah, I don't know. Are we Pac-12 teams in their non-conference schedule, but it'll be interesting to see them play. Are, are we sure we're not going to have three Pac-12 teams in the Final Four? Yeah, Bill Walton said it, man. They're the Conference of Champions. Conference so. of Champions, that's right. Bill Walton said there's going to be five Pac-12 teams in the Final Four. Where's Colorado when you need them? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah UCLA is insane. I I don't know. Um, Josh, you might appreciate this. I saw it on Twitter. Um, let me find it really quick. Yeah, good. Um, Alabama almost lost because a 73% free throw shooter missed three of four shots down the stretch, but they're going to OT because a 27% three-point shooter switched a 30-footer with the clock expiring. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is, uh, again, that is another one of those stats of why we have this podcast, to show the anomalies that happen in the biggest games in, in sports. It's real. I do not understand it, but I love it. Okay, wait, wait, can you say that again? So a 75% shooter missed three of four, and then a 27% three-point shooter made the biggest three. Is that yeah, right? So a 73% free throw shooter missed three of four, and then the dude who hit the three-pointer shoots 27% from three. Yeah, no, that, that literally is what Jake Marsh tweeted, uh, PMT Sports Biz. Shout out, Jake. Um, he tweeted Herb Jones, question mark, John Petty Jr., question mark, Javon Quinterly question mark, Jaden Shackelford question mark. Nope, Alex Reese. Like, like out of anyone, it's your big man taking that three. No, Nate Oates knows what he's doing. He knows where yeah. he's in the best position. So I'm what a game. Make yeah. up the first two games. That's great stuff. So we'll. Um, I just want to go over the Elite Eight matchups real quick before uh, before we finish up. So in the South, Baylor and Arkansas for a final four spot in the midwest oregon state versus houston uh ucla just beat alabama to advance to the elite eight and will face michigan and then gonzaga will face the winner of usc and oregon that is happening right now guys we have one two three four five six seven games left and then one continuing in this ncaa tournament so still lots of basketball to be played uh, to crown a champion but any any final stuff here on Gambling Corner, and uh, just looking forward to the Elite Eight. Do you do you have a pick? I do not. I do not bet. No Gambling Corner for me. You don't have a, a, a inkling of who you think is going to win. You can you can throw zero units on the game. I'll throw zero units on Gonzaga to win the championship. Oh, I actually <laughs> am taking the field. Well, I did take the field. Yeah, Gonzaga or the field. So you say the field. Before I said the field, but now I think. Baylor, I think, is the only team in their way. Yeah. So, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, again. Dylan? You say you would still take the field? No, 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 no. Before the tournament, I did. Okay, okay. Well, before the tournament, I took Gonzaga, and I'm still taking Gonzaga. <laughs> yeah. Even, th- even though I don't want them to be the most recent undefeated team to win the national championship, obviously because the Hoosiers in 76, but I just don't see anyone stopping them. They're just so dominant. I'm sorry to keep this rambling on, but the Elite Eight appearances in the last quarter century, Kentucky 13, UNC Kansas 11, Duke 9, 
Blue Blood, UCLA, six. Indiana, Oregon State, Rhode Island, Tulsa, Kent State, George Mason, Davidson, VCU, all with one. So we're a Blue Blood, kind of? Are we? Are, are we? Uh, now with Mike Woodson, we are. Now with Mike Woodson, we're back. Back and better than ever. So. All right, one, one, one last set to, uh, to get everyone out of here. So with UCLA winning, the total ag- – I, I tweeted something earlier about the total aggregate of the Elite Eight seeds. The highest one I could find was 40 total for the Elite Eight seeds. That happened twice in 1990 and 2000. With UCLA's win and a six or a seven seed going uh, no matter what in this game, the total only comes out to 30, uh, 37 or 38. So unfortunately, the record won't be broken. We needed at least we needed one of the one seeds to go down for that record to be broken. Um, we, had, we had a good shot. Yeah, the, the math was there for it to happen, but just didn't happen. Uh, all is well. What'd you say? Three one seeds and a two seed will do that to them. Yeah. But, I mean, that's still bizarre. Yeah. But the rest of the seeds make up that many points. Yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we'll, I, I'll have to look at the, the final four aggregate. I, I don't know if that's even in general. Actually, it definitely could be. I mean, if you have an 11 and a 12 make it, oh, I would say UCLA. Um, one of the USC or Oregon. Yeah. And then, I, I mean, that. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up later. I, I doubt that's an easy, I doubt that's a quick find. So we'll, we'll look for that, but I right, know Thanks for, uh, thanks for coming back. Talk about IU and, uh, and some gambling corner. Yes. Thank you. I always love it. So go Hoosiers next year. We'll be here. Absolutely. All right. Thank you. Noah and Dylan. Thank you, Josh. You're a stat guy. <laughs> See you guys. Bye. See ya. Big thanks to Dylan and Noah coming on today's podcast. One additional stat to Gambling Corner that I saw after the USC and Oregon game finished, USC coach Andy Enfield is now 10-0 against the spread in NCAA tournament games. So that is split between his time at Florida Gulf Coast and USC. So 10-0 versus the spread. Something to now look out for, especially after hearing Dylan's picks. Thank you all again for listening to another episode of Sunday Night Stat Guy. Please continue to like and share. Keep enjoying the tournament, and remember, Sunday Night Stat Guy will not just give you the stats you want, but the stats that you need. Thanks, everyone.